I don't know. What, what am I saying? Who are you? What's your name? I don't know. What, what do people I don't know. need to know? Maybe we should go and listen to other podcasts <laughs> and see how they start. Hello, welcome to La Pod. It's a brand new podcast we're going to be putting out from down here in the basement of La Pub twice a month. We're going to be talking to our staff, our community, local bands, local artists and anyone we think is interesting. Yes, yes, welcome, welcome to episode seven of La Pod. The first episode of a shiny and happy new year, 2021. Happy new year, folks. Hope you had a good Christmas and New Year's as much as you could. Tried to kind of avoid the strangeness that just surrounds everything. I had fun. I thought it was good. I guess I'm in a privileged position to be able to say that, but big fan of Christmas. What can I say? It was good, and I hope all of you had a good time as well. Throwing a bit of a curveball to you all this week, a little bit of a, a different episode. Started with a confession, mind. It was supposed to be two guests on this week's episode, um, and now there's not. Now there's only one, because I'm an absolute bellend. And I deleted half of the episode. That is a very long story short, but it's gone. And I'd like to make a public apology to one half of what was supposed to be t- today's episode, and that is to Q-Ball. He's a professional wrestler in the Newport area, um, and he was actually our most requested guest to come onto the pod as well, so I was really looking forward to it, and apparently you were as well. And I just went and deleted it. I didn't mean to. I promise. And it was a really good episode, really good chat. I was looking forward to it, but it's gone. It is no more. I guess that is the uh, the dangers of running a, a DIY podcast. There is very little in the way of safety net. If I mess up, it's gone. It's messed up. Things get deleted forever. But I've already promised him that he will be back on as soon as we kind of get through our, our run of organized guests. We will get around to him. And Q-Ball, if you're listening, I am sorry. And you will be on the pod as soon as possible. So yeah, I kind of revealed the giveaway there before I even meant to. Today's Curveball episode is a wrestling special, and it was supposed to be with Q-Ball, and Martin the Whiskey Chaser Grant, who is one half of uh, professional wrestling tag team High and Mighty. They've been going for a little while, um, we talk about their kind of origin stories in the episode, but they're making waves. And, and they um, they even, despite the, the absolute nightmare that was 2020, they managed to get something going during 2020. They managed to kind of throw a curveball of their own and put on a bit of a wrestling event unlike any other we'd seen before. And we, we talk about that during the episode as well. Alongside topics such as... I've said for ages, for years, I've always said that wrestling and music sort of are so closely linked. They, they want to see superheroes at the end of the day. And if you're there wrestling in, you know, a t-shirt with, you know, a scrawny arms poking out of it, with punches that couldn't, you know, break a wet paper bag, it's not good. But that's the thing as well. When, when you're a creative person and you have that creative outlet taken away from you, it can really have a negative effect on you. So yeah, luckily both halves of the, the planned episode were strong enough to stand on their own two feet and and be an episode in and of themselves otherwise I would have been screwed this week Uh, but yeah not a huge amount to shout out about as you can probably expect we are in yet another lockdown and I'm recording this at half six 
on Monday the 4th of January and I've just had a, a notification saying that Boris is apparently going to announce more lockdown stuff so yeah that's not going to be changing anytime soon but in the meantime uh, at the pub we've just released a new t-shirt with a new t-shirt design designed by one of our old staff members which is just amazing I'm wearing it right now you can't see me so I could be wearing anything but I promise you that it is said t-shirt and of course you can keep listening to the pod always I will be here, we will be here every two weeks and you can listen and support the pub that way and we will be eternally grateful as I say most episodes because it's true so without further ado here is the conversation with Martin Grant of High and Mighty yeah all good mate I can see that that fetching leopard skin top of yours <laughs> wore it just for you I thought you'd like it <laughs> up notch mate I'm <laughs> How you been? You all right? Yeah, good, mate. You know, well, as good as you can be. Yeah. With uh, well, this year has been a bit of a write off. Well, last year has been a bit of a write off, isn't it? Yeah, well, that's weird. Yeah, last year. Yeah. Yeah, true. exactly. Proper weird. Yeah, yeah. Do you manage to get anything kind of in the works other than the 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 dojo death match that you filmed? We'll talk about that a bit later. But like, was it just a write off completely? Other than that, more or less everything after. February, March time was sort of cancelled. Then there was a couple of shows which they were sort of hoping to get off the ground, which never, obviously never happened. They were sort of tentatively booked and then postponed and then cancelled. Yeah. So it's been, it's basically been a complete write-off, which is why we did the the dojo match in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Which was wicked. Yeah, I, I, I feel like we jumped in kind of before we even introduced who I'm talking to anyway. Yeah. <laughs> So, Rewind. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Who, well, obviously, I'm going to introduce you in the, the prelude bit, but you are Martin the Whiskey Chaser Grant. And, uh, yeah, how, how did you start up in wrestling? Like, what, what brought you into the game in the first place? It's a bit of a weird coincidence, really, because I've been watching wrestling since as far as I can remember. Like, I remember... Pretty much my first memory is watching wrestling back when I was like four years old, something like that. So I've always been a fan, but um, I was sort of looking into it back when I started. There wasn't that many sort of training schools around, which was about 2006. Right. So I've been looking to try and get involved since about 2005. But then it was one of those ones where, I don't know, I just never really... I was still playing rugby at the time, so I never really had the opportunity to, and I wasn't really. It's I don't know. It just it, it wasn't happening. But then yeah, yeah. Um, my brother went. To, my brother went to university. Complete sort of coincidence, happenstance, fate, whatever you want to call it. His housemate's friend happened to be the trainer of a wrestling school. Oh, so yeah. his housemate had his friend round. They're in the living room talking. And uh, he mentioned that so my brother mentioned, uh, oh yeah, we, we're big wrestling fans, whatever. Me, and my brother, and this this guy said, oh well, I'm head trainer of a wrestling school. You guys should come down. So my brother shot me a text, phoned it up like a Christmas tree, and <laughs> you know I couldn't believe my luck. A week later, yeah. we were down there, NWA Wales, 2006, and then it all went down from there. <laughs> nice man, fate almost. So like, yeah. 
like you say you always watched wrestling like going back to those kind of days were you like I know me and my brother we were always like DDT in each other and walls of Jericho in and all that sort of stuff were you into that sort of thing is that kind of a foundation for you or was it not until you got into the school side of things well plenty of uh, broken sofas (laughs) bruises black eyes around the house over the years yeah yeah, I think that's just. I think that's just a thing, really. We you know used to wrestle with my mates and stuff. Used to piss around or whatever. But it wasn't until, obviously, got into the um, into the school, the wrestling school side of it, that you learn what to do, when to do it, how to do it, and why. So it's it's learning. It's it really is like an art form, to be honest. Knowing yeah. what to do and how to, not only how to do it, but when to do it. You know. Was it a bit of a, an eye-opener as well? Was it kind of, oh, wow, I definitely haven't been kind of even thinking that way? Or was it kind of going along the lines you were already thinking from what you've watched on TV and stuff? Uh, a bit of both, to be honest. I think I'd been watching long enough and was sort of like a student of the game before I got into it, if you imagine, really. Um, yeah. So it wasn't, there was sort of things that it was, I knew of it, but obviously I didn't know the specifics. So, um, like... You, you could generally figure out sort of techniques and how to do the moves, but there's subtle nuances that you wouldn't understand until you got into the business and you you, you take a peek behind the curtain. It's, it's like yeah. being a magician, basically. So, right. you know, you learn how to do the tricks and you can't unsee it once you've seen it. Sort of thing, you know? <laughs> Changes it completely forever. Yeah, it does. Yeah, I get it. So kind of coming up to more of the present day in your your wrestling career, you're part of a a tag team. Would you say that is your kind of your primary vehicle of wrestling at the moment as part of High and Mighty or is there other stuff as well? It's it's definitely at the forefront. I'd say I I went through about, I started out as a tag team wrestler with my brother in oh, like right. 2006. I no yeah, idea. I used to tag my that. brother back in the day. I didn't even know that uh, your brother did wrestling as well. I knew he was a fan with you, but I didn't know he did it as well. Well, we both started together. Right. And then he, um, I think he had a knee injury really early on. So he only had sort of like a handful of matches, like four or five tops. And right. then stepped away for good kind of thing. So I started out as a tag team with my brother. And then he left um i tried convincing him to come back and he wasn't having it no. so i went solo for a bit then i wrestled by myself up until about i'd say from 2009 to about 2016 um and then formed higher mighty with mark yeah. mark daniels and then that's been pretty much the sole focus ever since like we, we both still do do singles matches and solo yeah. efforts but it's all sort of geared towards pushing high and mighty. Yeah, yeah. So what's kind of the, the formation story behind high and mighty? How did that happen? Well, that was another weird one. I had, um, I think, I just had hernia surgery. Okay. So I was like sitting on the sidelines um, injured and I couldn't really do much for about best part of two months. And uh, I think... Mark sent me a message or something joking around or I sent him a message joking around and he said something like, um, Oh, we should start a tag team. And then I was like, mate, if you're, if you're up for it, I'm up for it. Obviously I can't <laughs> do anything right now because I'm still stitched up. I've just had hernia surgery. Yeah. So we, I said, Oh, 
come around. I can't leave the house, but come around. We'll shoot the shit over a couple of beers and stuff, and we'll see what happens. We'll go from there kind of thing. So he came around. We polished off a couple of crates, and then I am he was born after that, pretty much. <laughs> and you've carried on the same way ever since, really. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, 100%. So going back to the, the dojo death match that we mentioned earlier, do you want to just kind of tell us what that is? Because just, just the title is intriguing enough. Like explain what it's all about and, and how it went down and stuff. Before I get to that, I just thought now I've actually, actually the name High and Mighty has got a good story behind it. Oh well. yeah, cool. Um, we were going down to train one day, me and Mark. We used to train down a facility in Blackwood. We had a really good ring set up, but uh, it's not there anymore. But um, I think at the, at the time, the promotion we were working for wanted to call us um, Marty and Mark, like Marty M and Mark. M. And oh, I thought, yeah. this is awful. It's, you know, cringe inducing. So I <laughs> Sounds thought, like an 80s sitcom or something. <laughs> it does. It? it really does. Yeah. But um, so we were driving down to training and I said, I said, oh, mate, we can't be going out as Marty and Mark. It just sounds like is death before you even reach the curtain kind of thing. Yeah. So I said, anything's better than that. Even something like, I don't know, high and mighty. something like that's better than yeah. that. And then we were sort of like silent for about 10 seconds, looked at each other and why don't we just use that? So, <laughs> <laughs> so we were high and mighty from that point onwards then. Just a throwaway name from the top of the head. Like, yeah. So that's, it works. Well, yeah. If it, if, it, if it sticks, why not? And then yeah. that was, that was that. And we've kept it ever since. Which one's high and which one's mighty? Do you fight over which one's which? <laughs> oh, we don't. We don't. So I think we've had a couple of matches before where the commentary has, has sort of said, oh, there's high. I guess he must be the high one. It's like it's all the double entendre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I suppose. Take it some, as you wish. <laughs> giving some material to the, the commentary team. Not bad. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, so the, um, the dojo death match then. Like, I've watched right. it. And it's sick. Like I, because you released it during lockdown, yeah. Yeah, we did. Yeah. Yeah. September. It's tons of fun. Like it's, like it made me laugh. It made me like kind of gripped at the same time. Like it was wicked. Like take us through that. Like what it is and uh, yeah, how it's gone and stuff. Well, that's another one. That was sort of um, the whole concept. Um. Pretty much, once it became evident that this whole coronavirus was going to be here to stay kind of thing and shows weren't going to be back for a long time. I sort of came up with this idea of, oh, well, why don't we, if we can't have shows anymore, rather than waiting for shows to come back, why don't we be proactive and use the downtime positively? Still keep busy. It gives us something to, to do. It keeps us sane. Yeah, yeah. And it still keeps, you know, it's still content for the fans if they want it. So, we had, um, I was racking my brains of things to do and it all stemmed from, I had this, uh, this picture, this King Kong print all right. that I was going to throw out. And then I had, the, I had an idea one day I was doing, doing weights. It was in the garage and I was thinking, I want to be a great spot. If somebody was in a match and they had that print smashed over their head and their head <laughs> poked through the King Kong face. <laughs> and then it was just like, I thought, hang on now. So it all sort of sort of built from that one spot. So where yeah. that spot is in the match. Yeah, yeah. But um, 
Yeah, so I sort of like backtracked then and it grew and grew and I went to Mark and I said, look, mate, why don't we do a match now just between the two of us? We can spend weeks building up to it. We can have the promos. We can have the 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 training montages and everything else. And we can, it gives us something to aim towards and keep us occupied when we know that we're not going to be having any shows for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we did then. And so we, we already trained at this dojo so that was the venue and we thought this is ideal had a rough idea of the story how the match was gonna go and everything else just found the place then yeah it was uh it's longer than i expected like it must have taken like a long time to to film it all and get it all right was how long did it take <laughs> it took hours it yeah. took hours. i'm sure yeah. it did i think that was that was one um that was a night i think it was like late august um, we went down to the dojo. I think I was adamant it had to be filmed at night for continuity right. purposes because I yeah, thought yeah. it's in the day. You'll have the sun over here on one shot. The next shot, it'll be dark or whatever. Yeah. So I thought, we got to film it once the sun goes down. So we did it from like, I think it took from eight till something like eight till two or eight till one a.m. Oh, never. And with all the stops and starts, we had to recharge the camera loads of times. We didn't do a lot of retakes for the actual wrestling and the matches, but just setting up all the shots took a lot of time. Yeah. Was it all one camera or did you have multiple? No. Well, it was virtually all on one camera. Yeah. We, we did use a secondary camera for the um, the initial wrestling part, which we used just to cut between. Yeah. And that was the one we used as the CCTV footage in the end. So it, that's oh, why yeah. one footage is a little bit grainy and the other's, you know, proper, you know, 4K quality, whatever. Yeah. Nice man, and how? how yeah, it was um, a long old. Yeah, yeah, pretty good, mate. It's been like I'd say, virtually ninety five percent, ninety nine percent positive. Yeah. Um, if there is negativity, then we haven't heard too much about it. I think a lot of people were skeptical going in, not knowing what to expect. Um, whether it was going to be some two bit operation that wasn't very good. Mm. was low budget or was just I don't know I think a lot of people were expecting it to be like sort of just like a match with no fans around but we, right. we were adamant we wanted it to be different yeah so yeah. that's why it's got like um, a soundtrack in the background it's it's filmed a little differently there's quirks to it and it's it's multi-layered and obviously there's comedy laced throughout as well yeah just to there keep is it, keep it different yeah yeah, yeah. Which I've I've always liked that in storylines in like WWE and stuff like the yeah. bits that make you laugh like there's the kind of I don't know the, like the gory kind of parts of it as well the stunts kind of parts of it and then there's a humor as well I think it's it's exactly. important to have all of those elements in it tick all the boxes yeah yeah exactly yeah, yeah I we was, tried to I I wanted to make something that was sort of had everything in it that would please everyone so there's Technical wrestling at the start. Yeah. There'll please be the diehard wrestling fans who, who want the wrestling. There's the stunts with the the falls and the cheers and the big hits and whatever. And then yeah. there's there's the the comedy from the start and then dotted throughout to the right to the end kind of thing. Yeah. So it, I wanted something that's whether you're a wrestling fan or whether you're just sort of an action fan or whether you're just not even a fan at all it would be entertaining yeah just happen to scroll across it on your facebook or whatever yeah it would kind of yeah, draw exactly. you in. yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. I think like from my perspective as well, like lockdown just went on for so long that like you were saying, you had to just try something new just to keep things alive. Like that's, that's pretty much how this podcast was born. Like it's just shows weren't happening. So like gigs weren't happening. So we have to do something just to try and keep momentum and just keep things going. I'd never done a podcast before. There was zero budget for it, but yeah, here we are. You've got to just got to try. Like got to roll the punches. Yeah. That's the thing as well. When, when you're a creative person and you have that creative outlet taken away from you, it can really have a negative effect on you. So sort of stifling your creativity, whether you're a musician, um, I don't know, uh, theater actor or whatever or wrestler i mean if you take away your ability to perform and your ability to create it can really sort of just leave you spinning your wheels from one day to the next not not knowing a when things are going to go back to normal and b if they ever will and they can have a a negative effect on you mentally hugely yeah yeah interesting what you were saying about creative outlets as well because i know you're you're hugely into music as well yeah would you say that wrestling is your creative outlet your primary creative outlet then 100 percent. i think yeah. I, the, i've said for ages for years i've always said that wrestling and music sort of are, are so closely linked is it, if you think of the, the hustle behind it if you're like if you're a struggling band looking to make that break or trying to get booked on a show or trying to get booked at a venue or even booked on a festival or whatever it's so similar to being a wrestler trying to get booked on a show trying to get booked on an event yeah yeah it's it's the parallels uh, (laughs) yeah annie yeah it makes me think of your tattoo i can see right now the uh the wrestling ropes and the the music notes on the same one there you go (laughs) (laughs) they're not personified but uh brought to life i guess yeah 100 percent. yeah it is crazy like i was before because I did one wrestling interview with Cubo before this one and obviously right. you as well. So kind of prepping myself, I watched um, The Wrestler. I know you're, yeah. you you rate it a lot. And even in that, there's huge crossovers with wrestling and music. Like it's, uh, yeah, like they, they both kind of make the film. And yeah. in, in my kind of experience as well, I remember the first time, well, not the first time, but one of the major kind of uh, things I can remember with Lemmy was when he did the Triple H's entrance music and he was there at yeah. one of the WrestleManias or whatever. I was like, who is this guy? He's proper rock and roll. Yeah, yeah he was. And yeah, they just kind of go hand in hand. It's crazy. Yeah, rock and wrestling have been, they've been, you know, married at the hip for, since the dawn of the time, basically. Yeah. And it's, uh, like I said, the, the industries themselves are so closely linked. I think you said about the wrestler, yeah. If you watch, um, uh, what's it called? Star is Born. That's, oh, yeah, that's yeah. quite In that you've got the washed up over the hill sort of legend who's sort of like clinging onto the limelight by his teeth, even though he's got all these demons. His, his underlying themes are just similar to, they, they're just rampant in both industries. Yeah. So it's, like I said, mate, they're, you can just, if you took the same principles and just changed the names, it could be the same industry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. C- carrying on with the wrestler then, but hopefully people listening to this have seen it. If they haven't, then they definitely should. But yes, they should. How, how does it make you feel watching it? Because it's not 
like an easy watch a lot of the time. Like a, a, a lot of it is like it's great and it's entertaining, but some of it's like really dark and it's the the kind of yeah. the stark realities of like you say, like an aging legend kind of thing. Does it yeah. put you off at all from kind of pursuing this and like devoting your life to it to any kind of further degree, or is it just I don't know what what are your thoughts essentially? Um, to be honest, when I watched it, I was just hoping that it would be accurate and an accurate portrayal of what wrestling is because yeah. it is I think the amount of times they've been wrestling films and they just they either don't get it it's, it's not a sport that translates well on film no yeah like you've had ready to rumble Nacho Libre and all these yeah. pathetic attempts of like you know recreating wrestling on film and it, it never ever translates yeah. well they almost like mock sort of, it yeah it's that like they just they don't get it the people who make the films don't get it Mm. and they treat it like they don't know whether to go into it with wrestling being this legitimate sporting element or whether to you know take it tongue in cheek or yeah it never turns out well but i think with with the wrestler it was the first time i saw a wrestling film or any any kind of wrestling uh show on tv where it 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 came across legit and it, it was a really accurate portrayal of what it is like from go into these shows and the people backstage and the way the setup is with the people sat taping up their wrists, you know, um, going through their matches to the drives to the show, to the fans at the shows. It it was really, it was really accurate. Yeah. It's uh, it's, it was great in that seeing them like backstage, like you were saying where they would, like it almost looked like they kind of made up their matches and wrote their matches like there on the spot, like just before they went out. Like, is that kind of real as well? Like you kind of make it up that soon before going through the curtain or? I, I can't pull back the curtain that much. <laughs> I wanted an exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, I just, it's pretty accurate is what I'll say. Yeah. No, the whole film is enough. pretty accurate from start to finish, even down to like, even down to the the blade job when he does yeah he gets bloody in the match they call that getting color when he right. gets color that is like pretty accurate i think the whole the whole film to start to finish is like it's proper probably the the closest you can get to a wrestling documentary on a silver screen as you will it's yeah. it's that accurate highly recommended then we'll, we'll say 100%. that yeah for sure do you know that do you know who was originally cast in mickey walk's role no, no idea. I can't imagine anyone else doing that wrong. Nicholas Cage. Oh, really? Seriously. Nicholas Cage. Yeah. I know you say it, it would be interesting to see. Yeah. Like, j- just from like a, a body type perspective, I'm like questioning that call mind. That would be weird. I think, I think uh, half the reason he dropped out, don't quote me on this, but I remember reading that. Um, he had he had concerns that he wouldn't be able to get the physique of a wrestler because yeah. he went to a couple of shows, done some research, and he was just like, "Look, I, this role isn't for me," sort of thing. Yeah, and I don't know whether it, so I don't know whether Mickey Rock was the first choice and they they couldn't get him initially, and they went they pivoted to Nicolas Cage or whatever. But luckily, it ended up with Rock because he was the ideal the ideal for the role in the end. Yeah, he, he did a good job. It was a bit of a game changer for him as well, wasn't it? He was kind of kind of lapsing into obscurity before that. And then that just kind of brought him straight back into the limelight. Yeah, robbed of the Oscar that year, mate. Yeah, did he not win it? I thought he did. 
No, I think he won. He won the Golden Globe or the or the uh, BAFTA or something. He but he lost out to yes. um, Sean Penn with Mill. <sighs> yeah. Each to their own, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, you got ripped. You got ripped off big time. <laughs> so uh, we touched on physique there, Nicolas Cage, like. Yeah kind of putting it bluntly and honestly, you're pretty freaking jacked. Like you clearly work <laughs> <laughs> on your physique. Thanks, but like it. how important would you say that is to to being a wrestler, to getting into wrestling? Because you obviously see it on like the WWE, they're all like just jacked and ripped. But how important is it, would you say? Um, personally, I think it's massively important. I think you've got, if you look like the, the people who should be sat in the stands and should be sat in the front row, then you probably should be. Yeah, yeah. Um, at the end of the day, I think people come to a wrestling show to see people out of the ordinary performing. They they want to see superheroes at the end of the day. And if you yeah. look, and if you're there wrestling in, you know, a t-shirt with, you know, a scrawny arms poking out of it that, with punches that couldn't, you know, break a wet paper bag, yeah. it's, it's not good. It doesn't yeah. look good for sport. It doesn't look good for the show you're on and it just takes people out of the moment. So I think if you want to be taken seriously, you've got to, you've got to take yourself seriously. And if, if you, if fitness and hitting the gym isn't part of that, then you need to, people need to take a good hard look at themselves really. Yeah. But even from like a, a fitness perspective, if you haven't got the fitness to go 15, 20, 30 plus minutes, then what are you doing in the ring anyway? Yeah. Is it like demanding on a, a cardio level? It can be, yeah. I mean, yeah. you can pace yourself, but if you're, you know, there's been a few times where you, you're in the ring and you make, you, you know, you're going hell for leather and obviously the pace picks up and drops and picks up and drops throughout the match based on how a match is structured. But you need to be able to, you know, last cardiovascularly. And if you can't, then you can be in for a, you can be in for a rough ride when, when you hit the wall. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. But even even from like even from a safety perspective, if you're not strong enough to lift someone, like I've been in matches before when someone has wanted to do a move, like say for example, I don't know, a T-bone suplex. Yeah. Or even even a standard body slam. If somebody wants to do a body slam and they're not physically strong enough to lift you, that's dangerous in itself. And yeah, they're not putting themselves at risk. They put they're putting you at risk by trying a move which they're physically not capable of doing. So yeah. I think fitness and, you know, training and strength and power, all facets of it, if, is, is, it is really important, even outside of aesthetics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I never thought of the, the safety aspect of it before. Yeah. Like, would you say that there are kind of other skills important to wrestling that might compensate for like a lack in physique? Like, I don't know, like um, like mic work, like being really charismatic on the mic or like a um, like a willingness to do the stunts that we were talking about before, like being like a, a Jeff Hardy kind of character or whatever. Does that compensate at all or would you say that it's it most do. important? Yeah, yeah, it can do. I think there's, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule. And at the end of the day, they say, you know, wrestling, a wrestling show should be like, a, you know, a, all you can eat Chinese buffet. So you've right. got like your one thing over your, you've got your next thing, or even like a circus, you've got your, if you if you're not into the the high wire act, you might be into the lion team. If you're not into that, you might like the the strong men. If you're not into that, you might like the clowns or something else. So that's what a wrestling show should be like. It should be a variety show. So 
if everyone went out there looking like Hercules, then <laughs> it would be pretty boring by the time you got to the third match. So yeah. it's, I think it's good to have variety. It's good to have different body types. Um, and as long as you look different, I mean, you don't have to look like a Greek god. You can look like you could be a, a big 20 stone, 25 stone chubster at the end of the day, but yeah, if that's yeah. your gimmick and you work it and you, and you are into your character, I think that's, that's just as good. As long yeah. as you look different, I think, I mean, like I said, there's always, there's always going to be exceptions to the rule. Um, you've got someone like, um, like you say, a Jeff Hardy, more recent example would be um, Darby Allen, who's in AEW, who's very similar. Right. He's quite a thin guy, probably doesn't weigh a lot. Um, very skilled. He's got that daredevil aspect to it, so he's he's quite popular. Yeah. Or even Mick Foley. Mick Foley back in a time when True. everyone else was, you know, sort of chiseled from granite. You had like Triple H, Steve Austin, The Rock. Yeah. In that same breath, you had Mankind, and he yeah. did not look like any of those other guys on no. his best. But he was, he's always going to be one of the greatest of all time because he was, he had the passion, he was, he believed in himself, and he, he was just so different, and he yeah. did leave a, leave a mark. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And some of his, like the, the stunts that he did as well were just, yeah, phenomenal, which yeah. makes me think kind of, a question I was thinking of earlier, if there was any stunt like in, in WWE history or wrestling history in general that you could recreate, that you could be a part of, like what would you pick? What would be your stunt to do? Oh man, that's a hell of a question. <laughs> I think when you talk about stunts in, in WWE, I mean, I think the, the obvious one is the, the first one that comes to virtually anyone's mind is going to be Mick Foley off the top of the hell and sell. Yeah. Like yeah. Yeah. Sort of, embodies the term wrestling stunt really yeah but uh i think mick had a bit more cushion than i have so i <laughs> probably wouldn't fancy taking that bump myself <laughs> but um yeah i suppose it, it depends on the on the day really i don't i don't turn down i don't turn down a lot no. when it comes to wrestling matches as long as it makes sense i'm happy to do it and as long as it fits in with the story and i trust the person i'm working with then i probably wouldn't turn it down yeah Sick man. So going from the, the kind of the stunt aspect, who, who would you say was kind of a, the best technical wrestler and be the best on the mic? Like the other two kind of qualities important to wrestling that we talked about. Uh, well, from a technical standpoint, I think hands down, it's gotta be Bret Hart springs to mind. Yeah. He's an absolute scientist in the ring. Kurt Angle's another one. Um, Ric Flair, Chris Benoit, Eddie Guerrero, all of those names, Dean Malenko. Yeah. Um, absolute geniuses in the ring. They were artists when it comes to technical wrestling. Yeah. Uh, it's funny you mentioned Kurt Angle because obviously he came yeah. from a like Olympic wrestling background. Yeah. Do you think that translates well or is that kind of a different world usually? Um, it can translate. It, it depends on the individual really because I think there have been crossovers, sort of. Um, Brock Lesnar is a prime example. Yeah, um, true. You had sort of Shelton Benjamin, Charlie Haas. Um, even back in the day, you had sort of Vern Gagne back in the 60s and 70s. He was, uh, I think he was freestyle wrestling. He could have gone to the Olympics. All right. Um, but yeah, it, was, it, it can translate. But it's, you got those, I think 
once they're out, I, I don't think you could do them side by side because you've got the one where you're sort of, it's embedded in you. Don't get pinned. Don't show emotion. Yeah. And then the other, the other side of the coin in professional wrestling is show emotion. And you've got to sort can. of like yeah. check your ego at the door kind of thing. Yeah. It's more, it's, it's virtually the exact opposite, but there's obviously there's fundamental similarities. Yeah. But, um, I think based on the based on the uh, sort of roll call of crossovers, I, I, it's got to be it's got to be a yes. It does translate. Yeah, I, I guess mean, so. Even today, you've got someone like Brock Lesnar, who is he is the probably one of the only mega stars left in the company at the moment in WWE. Yeah. Um, and obviously, he came from a collegiate background. Yeah, and then he even took it to to MMA to the UFC. As yeah, well. exactly. Like, yeah, I guess if if once you reach a certain level of athleticism, there's probably not that much that you you can't put your hand to and be kind of above average successful. You know what I mean? Well, there's even been you look at like sort of like the celebrity crossovers. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, nine times out of ten, they are sort of you know toe curlingly bad. <laughs> but every now and again, they'll they'll be that one sort of glimmering light where you have a sportsman who is capable and if they're committed enough, they can make it look fantastic. So yeah, like Floyd Mayweather a couple of years ago. Yeah. In, yeah. A couple of years ago, it's about 10 years ago. <laughs> but, um, he had a really good effort. Um, history has been dotted with athletes who, who popped up every now and again, who've done a really, a really good job yeah. of, uh, you know, not making a mockery of it. So it's, uh, I think if you're if you're an athlete and you have if you, and they go in with the right mindset, I think it was the oyster really. Yeah, 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 that's fair. So going to the question, who would you say was uh, best on the mic then? Uh, the obvious one is the Rock, isn't it? He is the the go to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I've always been a Ric Flair guy though. So yeah, I probably um, Randy Savage. Um, yeah. Obviously, Hogan is is uh, is money every time you put a mic in his hand. Yeah, but um, I think it's got to be for me. I would go with. I'd probably pick Ric Flair to be honest. Yeah, he'd be your go-to. Yeah, he was just so, so good for so long. Yeah, that it's it's hard not to pick him. Man, he was. Yeah, even when I was watching it, like back in the day, I swear he was like seventy already. Like he, <laughs> he was just always an old man in my mind, even though he obviously yeah. wasn't. Yeah, fair. It's, it's the white hair. It's sort of yeah. Um, yeah, masks a bit. I think he was. I think he was in his forties in the nineties. Yeah, um, that's when I would have been watching it. Yeah, there you go. Then I think he was in his forties, and then um, obviously he was still wrestling through to two thousand and eight. I think he officially well retired from WWE anyway. Yeah. So that would have been like must be in his mid to late fifties at that point. Yeah. But yeah, guy was an absolute icon every time he picked up a microphone yeah the longevity on him as well crazy yeah Yeah. um yeah i don't want to take up too much of your time man i got a couple more questions for you if that's all right back on mates yeah i haven't got a care for you (laughs) wicked so what like we talked a little bit about like when we were talking about the wrestler how like not many films have kind of nailed it about what wrestling is really about what Mm -hmm. would you say is the most misunderstood element of wrestling in in kind of the general public that it doesn't hurt. Yeah, that's got to be that's got to be top of the list. Yeah, I think the the F word comes up so often. It's like, oh, 
every time somebody says, oh, like being, you know, in shape, someone will say, oh, do you do many sports? Do you do bodybuilding? I'll say, no, I'm a wrestler. You say, oh, not that fake debris stuff. That's almost the unanimous response. Yeah, yeah. And I'll be like, uh, yeah, the fake debris stuff. Yeah, that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> And then they have that awkward moment where they have to backtrack off yeah. of that oh, comment. Oh, oh yeah, uh, I meant, yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's like, um, you know, it's, I would say you could, it's not, it's not fake, it's fixed. And that right. just sums up wrestling in itself. It is. It's a it's big not, difference. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't fake gravity at the end of the day. If you're falling <laughs> yeah. seven foot and you landed on your back on a hard wooden floor, people, people think it's a trampoline. Yeah. It's hard plywood on metal girders granted there's a you know there's some give to it there is yeah, a spring yeah, yeah. under there it's it hurts and, it, yeah. and if you're not used to falling on it you find that out the hard way <laughs> i bet you just want to kind of step them into the ring anyone who says that it's fake weirdly enough i, th- I remember the first time my mum came and watched me wrestle i think i was like probably the first year i was in wrestling after the show had finished um she came up and sort of pushed down on the ring just out of curiosity and she's like oh it's actually really hard isn't it you know just yeah, like yeah. yeah yeah it is it really is you know <laughs> but people don't people don't understand so i'd say that biggest misconception is that it doesn't hurt yeah yeah you know? so that's what we want to educate people on that yeah fixed yes. not fake and then it does yeah. actually hurt <laughs> you can't fake gravity take that one home yeah take home have, have you ever like like you were saying then, you gave that scenario where people were like, oh, you went to the, the fake WWE stuff. Was, did you ever go through a time where, like, was there any, like, source of, like, shame or embarrassment about saying, like, what you're into? Or have you always just kind of, no, nah, this is what I do. I'm proud of it. It's a funny one, that is. I think a lot of a lot of wrestling fans sort of go through a period in their lives where they're sort of, like, a little bit um, gun-shy about saying whether they are, a wrestling yeah. fan but I never had that I was always you know I, I I've been into wrestling since I was four it's my oldest memory it's it's what I love and yeah. I've been you know hard and steadfast about it ever since I was four years old really it's like this is cool I think it's cool if you don't think it's cool then go after yourself <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah. yeah I think even from even from like a a worker's point of view I think coming out and telling people oh yeah I, I do professional wrestling or whatever yeah people nine times out of ten once you get over that hurdle of yeah i do the fake debris stuff yeah they, they are more interested than anything else and then there's like a, a reel of a hundred questions to follow <laughs> and i think most of the time i don't tell people until i actually until they ask until I actually, yeah, yeah yeah it's not something that you know i'll come out and uh, be wearing it as a badge of honor and tell everyone that walks past on the street. But if if somebody does ask me and then it comes up in conversation or whatever, that is generally you'll have the the automatic response of the fake WWE stuff. And then once yeah. you once you tell them, it's followed up with a ream of questions of curiosity and they people find it quite interesting. Yeah. It's funny, like even when I was a kid, like properly younger into like collecting like stickers sticker books and stuff like that i had all like the wrestling yeah. sticker books and it got to a stage yeah, in, well, in, yeah man and uh <laughs> got to the stage in school where other people kind of gravitated towards the the fifa sticker books yeah 
And yeah, I remember being mocked for for continuing with the wrestling sticker box as if it was something lesser, even though like yeah. obviously it's childish stuff. Like it doesn't matter <clears> now, <throat> but like kind of analyzing it from like an athletic st- standpoint, they arguably wrestling is far more athletically kind of impressive than football, but they're at least equal in that arena. You know what I mean? But like still there is that like stigma that it's like a, a childish thing or whatever. And I don't really get it. I don't understand. That's a great word, mate. Um, I think wrestling has had a stigma mm. for decades. And I think it, it, it goes back to being, uh, even now, like I see some stuff on TV and, you know, if there's somebody else who's also seen it or in a shot or whatever, you do feel embarrassed sometimes watching certain things that are really condescending or childish or whatever. And this is, it's sort of the exceptions rather than the rule kind of thing. Yeah. Like yeah, nine yeah. times out of 10, if you put, if you put wrestling on and there's, some really entertaining stuff and there's some really athletic grappling, there's submissions, there's counter holds, there's aerial acrobatics, there's everything yeah. you, can, you can want. And I think if that same person had, t- had turned it on at that moment, they'd be hooked. Yeah. But they happen to turn it on where you've got some, you know, midget running around <laughs> with a, you know, super soaker or something ridiculous. Yeah. And you'll have those moments, but they, they tend to be, few and far between these days luckily yeah yeah it's weird do, do you think the the stigma is lessening over time or getting worse or kind of just staying the same what would you say i think it's lessening i'd yeah. say i think it's become a little bit more accepted over time yeah um i think from a british perspective it's it's sort of the big daddy era of um of wrestling fan is sort of dying out or becoming less and it's becoming more of a generational thing where obviously I grew up watching early nineties wrestling all the way through the nineties. Yeah. There wasn't much British wrestling, if any, on TV. No, so my no. only exposure to, to professional wrestling as a youngster was, you know, your Bret Hart's, your Shawn Michaels, Sting and all yeah. the rest of them, as opposed to, Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks, who you know, it's th- that sort of generation is growing older now, and maybe they've grown out of wrestling or whatever. And I think wrestling as a as a sport or as an art form gets a lot more respect now because of the crossover. I think a lot of it, to be honest. I mean, if you look at the, the crossover into other media,s like The Rock, he's probably arguably the biggest movie star in the world. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely. And he's, you know, women love him, men love him, kids love him. Yeah. He's sort of like universally loved. And yeah. he, he looks, he's charismatic. He's, he's built like a Greek god. <laughs> and at the end of the day, he's a wrestler. He, yeah. he can be in a hundred movies and never wrestle again, but he'll always be a wrestler. Yeah. And I think we, we as wrestlers and the wrestling industry gets a lot more respect now because of the crossover appeal. Like even from a sporting perspective, you've got like, again, going back to someone like Brock Lesnar and Kurt Angle, legitimate athletes yeah, yeah. Um, and badasses as well who can handle themselves. Yeah. And they are wrestlers. So I think it gets a lot more respect now and it isn't just held up as this phony, 
you know, guys jumping around in tights and malarkey. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it's probably a thing that, uh, like, The Rock has never <clears throat> turned his back on his wrestling days. He's never tried to, like, hide them or kind of move away completely. Obviously, he's yeah. talked more on movies, but, like, even he occasionally goes back and appears in the WWE and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I guess- he, he went through a stage. I think he, when he first crossed over, he had, like, I think his, he, his agent at the time wanted him to distance himself. So that was when oh, really? he first... He first started going by Dwayne Johnson, yeah, and he was no longer the Rock and stuff, and he lost a lot of weight. He was taking really sort of um, roles that were outside the box, like the Tooth Fairy and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. And um, I think when he started, I think he switched managers or something, and he went back and he he embraced his past, and he took a lot of roles that were more suited to his fan base. I think that yeah. was when he really exploded. So I think, you know, there's a lesson to be learned there really. For sure. Like it just makes sense. Like he spent yeah. decades building up this character and this fan base <clears throat> just to turn your back on it is just illogical. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Mental. So I think I'm going to draw things to a close. Like I could talk wrestling and music literally all day long, but it's got to come to an end yeah, at some mate. point. So yeah. what's, what's on the cards for High and Mighty? That what's coming up next I know like 2021 is not looking too different to 2020 at the moment hopefully we can get some live shows going but have you got anything else in the in the works <clears throat> well first things first there's going to be a sequel to Dojo Deathmatch oh yeah so nice that's uh, that's 100% going ahead it's just, it's just a case of when we can do it now yeah um, originally we planned to do it sooner rather than later but um, I think the whole you know tier fours and yeah tier 87 by the time we get out of it I know. but um i think that's kind of put the kibosh on a little bit but there'll definitely be a sequel at some point awesome. so i think in the long term hopefully shows get back up and running and um you know we can get back to a little bit of normality um but yeah in the short term there'll be high versus mighty 2 for sure wicked that's great where where can people find out more about you and about High and Mighty, where, where do you want people to head? Um, Facebook page is the, the main source at the moment. So that's um, facebook.com forward slash High and Mighty Wrestling. Um, everything you need to know is on there. All the links to previous matches and stuff is on there. Loads of pictures. And also there's the, the links to our YouTube channel on there where you can watch the Dojo Death match in full. So head on over. Nice one. Casanova. <laughs> Perfect. Nice so much. Cheers for your time so much. I'll, um, yeah, all the best and I'll speak to you soon. Hopefully, catch you at a show sometime soon as well. Hey, mate, I'll, I'll be at one of yours. Yeah. Oh, God. Don't, even, don't even, like, tempt me. Don't even say the word show. <laughs> <laughs> nice one, man. <laughs> <laughs>